Good morning. You are loved and you are encouraged. How did you practice this week that word of encouragement? You know what I'm talking about? It changes things for you, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's important to know that genuinely you are cared about, um, that you are loved, that there are people with you in whatever moment, whatever season it is you're walking through in your life. And encouragement is essential for the body of Christ. We talked about that. I, I hope that also um, you didn't miss out on our Wednesday evening prayer experience. Uh, if you did, the great thing about this season of life um, is you can go back digitally and you can experience something even if you weren't with it in the moment. Let me encourage you um, to go back online and, and just go through what we did together this past Wednesday night. Uh, it was a powerful moment of prayer that I know if you missed out on that and you go back and participate in that, it's going to strengthen your faith and it's going to build you up because um, there were some powerful prayers offered together and on your behalf. So I want to make sure that if you missed that this past Wednesday night, that you go back and you watch that. We're going to have a few more of those throughout this season um, but I'm excited about those moments when we genuinely, authentically are able to pray together. And you are prayed for. And you are loved. And you matter. And that's very important. We've been talking about what it means to be essential. What are some of the essential elements of having a vibrant faith during this generation, during this season of life? And as I shared this morning with some of my friends that were here early, I said, you know, this season of life has taught me that a lot of things will be stripped away and what really matters will rise to the surface. And what really matters in our lives, that's what we have to hold on to as believers. And there are some things that are just essential. Love is essential. So the people around you, the people that you love, how you respond to them and how you treat them, that is essential. And what is one of the best ways to reflect that? By being together in the body of Christ. You are important in the body of Christ. And therefore, some of the moments that are invaluable, you cannot put a price tag on them. And you begin to see during this generation just how important they are is gathering together in worship. The practice of gathering together in worship cannot be neglected. And we've talked about why that's essential. And in our generation, there are a lot of people who think it's non-essential. They thought that prior to a pandemic, by the way. But as we see during this generation, we find that gathering together with believers, whether it's in a room or whether it's through technological means, making sure you are connected to the body of Christ gathering, it's essential. And therefore, Pastor Bo gave a great word on community because all of that leads to a growing faith and a growing community, a growing healthy body where relationships are strong. And everything about the world we live in today right now is all about isolating, tearing down relationships. It's dividing humanity and it's wrong. But what you discover as the body of Christ is that community, fellowship, you as an individual who you are essential and you matter. What you find is when you're connected in community to the body of Christ, you will grow stronger. 
You will grow as a member of the family of God and your faith will begin to thrive. Today, I want to give you the last piece of what essential, vibrant faith looks like. And I saved this one for last. And this one's kind of like boot camp. This one is going back to the basics. So if you are a believer, if you have been someone who has claimed the title child of God, saved by Jesus through faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, then what I'm going to share with you today as the last part of yours, of my, of our essential vibrant faith, you're going to go, preacher, I know that. Pastor, I know that. But you may know it. And yet, doing it makes all the difference in the world. We're going to talk today about discipline. We're going to talk today about your spiritual disciplines. Do you realize anything great in your life, anything good that you will achieve, that you hope to achieve, that you desire for your life, it takes the discipline to make it happen and to go after it and get it. That's everything in life. And you know what? It's no different with your soul. It's no different with your spirit. It's no different with your faith. It requires spiritual discipline to build a strong faith. And I want to show you why this morning from the Gospel of Mark. So take your Bibles. I'm going to read today from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Mark chapter 9, the Gospel of Mark. Now, the story I'm going to read to you today from Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it's actually recorded in another gospel. This is one of those miracle moments. But it's going to show you why spiritual discipline in our lives, as people who say, yes, I'm saved by Jesus, yes, I'm going to heaven, or at least I want to go to he heaven, it's going to show you the power of why your personal spiritual disciplines will get you somewhere. And I'm going to talk about three very specific spiritual disciplines that are non-negotiables that are essential for me, for you, for us, and for all people to thrive in their relationship with God, even when in the world things may be changing, challenging, difficult, you can thrive and overcome those things if you will practice these areas of discipline. Everything great happens when you commit yourself and you're disciplined to make it happen. So stand with me in honor of the Word of God. Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 14. We're going to read a few verses. So... Um, bear with me, but I think that once we get into this text, um, you, like myself, are going to be amazed at what Jesus can do. And so the Bible tells us this. 
When they returned to the other disciples, returned from where? This is the moment right after Jesus went up on the mountain and was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. So they got to see this beautiful miracle of Jesus in his heavenly presence. And then they come back down to reality. Have you come back down to reality yet? Huh? All right, so you have these transfiguring moments. Oh, I feel the presence of God. It's amazing. This is awesome. And then you come back down to reality. So they came back down to reality. And then when they returned to the other disciples who were living in reality. And you know what it's like to live in reality, right? You know what it's like to experience normalcy. Well, all these others had been experiencing normalcy while some of them had gone up and had a mountaintop with God experience. Have you ever been there? And they come back down and what do they see? A large crowd surrounding them. So Jesus comes down and sees all this chaos surrounding his disciples. And wouldn't you know it, some religious people, some people that didn't have faith but had rules, some teachers of religious law were arguing with his disciples. And when the crowd saw Jesus, so here comes Jesus, and when the people see Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. <laughs> Don't you wish that we did that every time we saw Jesus, that we were able to walk into the presence of Jesus, that we felt Jesus, just to be overwhelmed, not with fear and trembling and confusion and doubt and discouragement, but to be overwhelmed with awe because the Son of God just walked into our midst. That's what happened with this crowd. And they ran to greet him. They ran. They threw aside all dignity and all social norms. And this crowd, they moved in unison just to be around the Son of God because they knew what he could do. And they knew that he had an answer. And so he asked them the question, what is all this arguing about? What are you guys wasting time about? What's this non-essential thing that's going on right now? What are you arguing about? What are you consumed with, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and he said this, teacher... I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your followers, your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. Have you ever had a moment where you felt that you couldn't do it? You can't do it. You've tried, you've faithed, you've prayed, you've willed, you've strengthed, you've thought, and you, man, I just, I'm going to beat this. And they couldn't do it. They had been around Jesus. They had experienced Jesus. They loved Jesus. They couldn't deal with this one. Not this one. I can't. You don't understand. You don't know. They couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. Bring the problem to me. Bring the issue to me. Whatever it is, I don't care. Let me show you something. Bring it right here, right now. Bring it to my feet. And so, they brought the boy. 
But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. How long has this problem been going on in his life? How long has this issue been going on in your life? How challenging has this been going on for you for how long of a period of time? And he replied, this has been going on since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. If you can. If I can? If I can? What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. So the father instantly cried out, and I can relate to this. I think you can relate to this. I think a lot of people can relate to this. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And therein lies the problem is that this war wages within who we are of the battle between I believe and yet the truth of the wager of the war of unbelief that tears against our soul. And this guy was human, and he lays that before Jesus. And so when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. Left him alone. Didn't mess with him. Didn't bother him. Didn't come back. The boy appeared to be dead and a murmur ran through the crowd as people said, naturally, he's dead. Jesus can't do it. He's dead. He's on the ground. He's laying there. Miracles don't happen. I told you so. That's what the crowd always says. It's what the crowd always says. That's why I want you to go back and watch Wednesday night. Because there's a very important part of Wednesday night. And it's echoed here again in scripture. But Jesus took him by the hand. Jesus took him by the hand and helped him. Jesus took you. We'll take you, whoever you are, wherever you come from, he will take you by the hand and he will help you. So he helped the boy to his feet and the boy, he stood up. And afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind, this issue. This problem, this challenge, this situation, fill in your blank, whatever it is, this kind can be cast out 
only by prayer. And therein lies the power of discipline. Spiritual discipline that will change your life. And it's essential to learn how to practice it. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of your word. And now beyond anything I could say or do, this is your moment to speak. So by your Holy Spirit now, God, in some supernatural way, remove our hearts of stone and open up the softness of what dwells inside of us, hearts of flesh, and attentiveness and a willingness to hear your voice speak to us about the power of our spiritual discipline and it being essential for our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Can you relate to the story? Have you been there? Are you there? There is a reality in our lives that we will face moments that we cannot explain, that we cannot fix, that we can't wrap our minds around. And yet in the midst of those moments, the things that are essential stay the same. The things that make you, you as a person, as a child of God, irregardless of what you've been through or are going through or what you've walked through, there are some things that are essential and they do not change. And the power of your spiritual disciplines, the discipline of working on your walk with God never changes. And this is what it means to practice spiritual discipline. Why spiritual disciplines are important. Now today I'm going to talk to you about three very clear spiritual disciplines. That's what I'm going to call them. And they are essential for your faith. As we go through this passage, many of you are going to go, yes, I know that. And yes, you know that. I know that, but I find that the challenge in our life is not knowing, it is doing. The challenge in our life is not knowing the information, it's doing what we know to do. And if we will do what we know to do, that's when health begins to come to our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our spirits. Spiritual discipline, it is essential for a vibrant faith. Here, as I look at how this passage unfolds, there's some specific things that happen. And so I want to give you the life lesson and I want to walk through three things that are important that I learned from this passage. The life lesson is very simple. Consistent practice of spiritual discipline is essential for a vibrant faith. Consistent practice of spiritual discipline is essential for a vibrant faith. Consistent practice. Now, consistent means that you do it regularly. It's like brushing your teeth, which I hope that you do. Or putting on deodorant, which I hope that you can. Right? Spiritual discipline is a consistent thing. There is not a religious legalism to it. There's not a religious legalism to I have to do these things at X time every day or I'm a failure. That is not true. 
But when something is natural to your life, like your relationship with those that you love, you don't have to work at it. It's a part of who you are. And so it's consistent in expressing that. It's consistent in doing that because it's a part of the fabric of your daily existence. So too, the practice consistently of spiritual dis discipline, consistent practice is essential for a vibrant faith. Here's the first one is a part of our spiritual discipline, our consistent practice that grows our faith. The first one that stands out to me from this passage, and you'll see why it's important. Number one, hearing the word is essential. Hearing the word of God is essential. That is spiritual discipline number one. Hearing the word of God is essential. Now, hearing the word of God happens two ways. Number one, and probably most important, hearing the word of God occurs in your personal and your private reading of God's word by yourself in your alone time with God. Can you also supplement that by reading the word and sharing the word in a private time with your family? Absolutely. Can you supplement that by reading the word of God in a time with some deep friends, some very close personal friends? Absolutely. You can supplement that that way. Does it help you to have a time where you with someone else or even very personally by yourself on a consistent practice during the course of your week, read God's word in some capacity? Yes, it is a spiritual discipline. It is what will make your faith strong. It is what will be a part of your essential walk with God when you may be walking alone in this world, when you may be walking through moments that you can't understand. How do you walk through those moments? What is essential? Your personal, private, or with a few select people in your life hearing the word of God. And the first way that you can hear it is when you read it personally. There's a second way. You're doing it right now. A second way that you can be a part of consistently hearing the word of God, not the word of your favorite news channel or your favorite serious thing that you might listen to on the radio or your favorite Instagram tweet, whoever it is you're following. No, but being a part of something that is essential, that is life-changing, finding a moment to be under the teaching of the word of God, to be able to receive and hear the word of God because hearing the word of God changes things. It is essential. This is your personal and your corporate moment of reading, listening to, 
humbling yourself before what God would say to you from his word. Why is that important? In the story that we just read, the people could not fix the problem. The crowd could not fix the problem, but the moment that Jesus shows up, everybody knows something's about to happen. The moment that Jesus shows up, everybody knows, okay, now we're in for something. Now we've got something that's different from everything else that's been going on, from all this arguing, from all this foolishness, from all of this waste of life and waste of time. Now we got someone who knows how to do something, who can actually change things and who can actually do it the right way. Now something's about to happen. And that's the difference between putting yourself in a position because you discipline yourself to hear to submit to the authority of God in speaking through his word in your personal private life and also in your corporate church life. To be able to sit and surrender to the authority of someone who knows better than the crowds and everything else. We all understand authority, right? Kids, you understand authority. You have parents and grandparents who are authority. Grown-ups, you understand authority, right? You have bosses and people that you work for. Authority is a real part of life. And you know what happens in our culture right now? A lot of the time, we question authority. Our culture is falling apart because nobody understands authority anymore. And not only civilly do people question authority. Do you know what the church does? They question authority. It's what Christians have begun to do. And you wonder why Christians' lives are falling apart. You wonder why followers of God can't figure it out. Why? Because they question authority. What's the power of hearing the word? Because all Jesus had to do is walk into the circumstance and speak the word. That's all he had to do. All he had to do was to walk into the moment that the people needed. All he had to do was intervene and speak the word. And for you, for me, for us to change and to understand how to be strong in a crazy world. All we really need that's essential is for Jesus to speak the word to our heart. And then our faith grows and our strength grows and our confidence grows. And we overcome fear and doubt and discouragement and depression and all of the confusion that the world throws at us. And when Jesus speaks the word, oh, okay, something's about to happen now. And that's the power of being able to say, okay, part of my spiritual discipline in life that I have to work at in the midst of a busy schedule of raising family, of chasing extracurriculars, uh, of being able to fill my life with trying to pursue finance or, or health or all these things that are fringe. They're fringe. Part of my way to navigate all these relationships and all of these issues and sort through it is that God, I have to have a point in my day where I'm not listening to my emotions or my mind or the thoughts of the world, but God, I am willing to hear you. And hearing the word of God on a consistent basis is essential because it's a part of what grows you and I in a vibrant faith. That's what hearing, why hearing the word is essential. It strengthens your faith. 
Hearing the word of God, being under the teaching, both in a personal and a corporate way, it strengthens your faith. Peter, James, and John have this transfiguration moment experience in the beginning of Mark chapter 9. They see the glory of God. They see it present on Jesus. They hear the Father from heaven say, this is my son, listen to him. <laughs> you know, they're thinking, oh, look, Elijah. Oh, look, Moses. Man, let's build some altars to these other people. You built an altar to anybody else lately? Just saying. You built an altar to anything else that seems to be more important than this is my son, listen to him. And they heard that. And so they get the joy of coming back down off of the mountain, seeing the mess. And do you think that they knew that something was about to happen because God had just spoken to them. They heard the word of God. And when you hear the word of God in your soul through being under his word, you know something's about to happen. And so they come down with the rest. And while everybody else is living normal, they get to see, because they had heard the word of God, Jesus do something. And Jesus speaks into that situation. So hearing the word is essential. This is your personal and your corporate reading of God's word. There are ways to do that, by the way. Simple application. You can get apps on your phone. I have one that throws up a verse every single day. So you can do that. They're available you can use the front of many of your Bibles. We've talked about this before, but there's a reading plan. If you get lost, keep going or ask for help. That's what the church is here for, to help you in your walk through the Word of God. But getting into it is something that's essential. Start somewhere. If you don't know where to start, pick Psalms. Great book of the Bible that will show you the glory of God in the midst of humanity. <laughs> it will show you how God loves you in the midst of reality. Yes, it's a great one. Or go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start somewhere. But if you never start, you'll never get there. Well, I, I was going to start at the beginning of January. Yeah, a lot of people were going to start a lot of things in January and February and had that work out. Huh? Not real good. So start now. <laughs> Start today. Why? Because it's essential. Learning to be in the reading of God's word will strengthen your faith. Number two, when I think of the consistent practice of spiritual discipline in my life, which is essential for a vibrant faith, remembering the word is essential. Remembering the word is essential. It's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing to remember what God said to you. There's this fascinating statistic about preaching, by the way. Interesting. I know I'm a nerd. These are things that I read and that I study, so forgive me. But here's the fascinating thing about preaching. It has been studied and researched that as People walk out of church, walk out of church, they forget 90% of what you said. <laughs> so imagine spending your hard-earned week and time to proclaim something that you believe in. And the moment people walk out the door, they forget at least 90% of what you said. But they hold on to maybe 10%. 
And that's always a fascinating thing, right? But the 10% that people remember helps them make it through each week. Isn't that fascinating? It only takes remembering one word, one inspirational moment, one spoken moment where God, something happened and there was this twinge in your heart, this awakening of your spirit. You go, oh, yep, God, I hear you. That's for me. And in that little bit, when you remember what God says to you, that could change your life. That can move you forward. In that little bit of where you're committed to remembering what God said, that will move you forward. You see, in this passage, Jesus gives this kind of critique of culture, of people. He's like, you unbelieving people. Now, it would be really awesome, right, if we just thought that Jesus was saying that to unbelieving people. Oh, yeah, the unbelievers. The unbelievers, yeah, they, they deserve what's coming to them. <laughs> but that's not who was in the crowd. Who was in the crowd? People who had seen Jesus do it, heard Jesus do it, knew Jesus could do it. There were believing people in the crowd and unbelieving in the crowd. And Jesus says to all of them, you unbelieving people, how long do I have to put up with this? How many times do I have to show you again and again and again? Can't you just remember? Can't you just remember one thing? One thing that I did. One thing that I said, yeah, your phones are going to go off. We got plenty of time. You can be ready for it tomorrow and you can delete that out of the video because we're talking about a hurricane's coming our way, right? So we'll deal with that later. Yeah. And we'll do something related to that in just a moment. We get to point three, but let's tune in right now because the reality is, do you remember the last time that you heard God speak something of truth to you? Something that you believed in with all your soul, with all your might, with all that you were. Something that God did. Do you remember? And Jesus just said, listen, you are unbelieving. And I realize that there's this war between belief and unbelief. And we all are at a point sometime where we say, Jesus, help my unbelief. And he says, okay, watch this. Bring the boy to me. Watch what I can do. And in this moment where Jesus does a miracle, it was a moment for people to remember who he was and what he could do. Who he was and what he can do. So for you, another spiritual discipline beyond just reading the scripture consistently or being under the teaching, the good teaching of God's word consistently. Another one is your personal and your private journaling of what God has done for you. Now, I have found that during this season of life with COVID, I have begun to journal. I have begun to say, okay, God, I don't understand this. I don't see this. God, I cannot explain this. God, I'm feeling this. God, I want to walk through this. And I'm writing it down. 
And I'll tell you who I see to be faithful and true. God. I'll tell you who I'm reminded that is a life changer, that is a soul fixer, that is a heart healer and a problem solver and a miracle worker. God is. And when I remember that, when I put into my life as a practice, reminding myself, not running from day to day to day, we all do that. And that's why we get lost in our unbelief because we're gonna run. We're going to run to work. We're going to run the schedule. We're going to run to retirement. We're going to run to the grave. And we're going to forget, if we're not careful, the faithfulness of God. And how do you remember the faithfulness of God? Write it down. Write it in your Bible. When you're reading it, write it down. When God says something to you in your word, it's not unholy for you to write in this book, okay? When God says something to you from a scripture, you know, oh man, I don't have a sticky pad, right? Where's my journal at? Write it down. Do you realize that some of the greatest moments that I get to see as a pastor are when I do someone's funeral and I can take their family Bible and I can open it up and you know who was walking with Jesus and hearing his voice. You know why? It's written down. It's written down. Journaling, writing is a part of remembering what God has said. You can write out your prayers. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But you can write out your prayers. Some of your most beautiful thoughts and beautiful prayers are the ones that you'll find you take the time after you've read to write a word, a sentence. A paragraph. And if you got time, a book. Write it. Because that will help you remember that God is someone who can do the impossible in your life. The crowd said, he's dead. The crowd says, he can't. The crowd says, he doesn't exist. <laughs> That's what the crowd says. That's what religious people say too. Where did the argument begin? Where'd the argument begin? With religious people who claimed a title but had no relationship, who claimed a label but it wasn't real. Even people like that doubt. How do you move beyond that as a person? How do you really have a genuine soul-saving faith that gives you a guarantee not only eternally but today? How do you have that? You surrender to the hearing of God's word. And when he speaks, you do your best to remember what it is. So what's the last miracle that God did for you? What's the last moment that you felt the presence of Jesus? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember what it was? How special it was? Maybe hair on the back of your neck if you have any maybe it stood up right or your arms man they just like whoo it's tingling right okay great you had a moment right how meaningful was it for you was it real did God speak to you in that moment was it life-changing recall that why as a part of the spiritual discipline of our lives 
That will strengthen our faith so that when you walk through a moment off of a mountaintop experience, you look and you go, this is impossible. No, 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 no. Hold on. You'll say to yourself, time out. It's not impossible because I remember that when God did it there, he can do it again. He can, he can, he can. And I believe that he will. And I remember. And remembering what God has done for you is a part of your spiritual discipline. It's your spiritual workout to get into the word and to write down what God has said to your soul, to your heart. It reminds you that when things are impossible and people say, he can't, you know God can. God can. And he says, all things are possible to him, to her, to that individual who truly believes. And that brings us to the third and the final practice of spiritual disciplines. I'm only giving you three today because these are essential. There are other ones, but these are essential. Hearing the word, being under the word, remembering the word, which by the way, when we sing the songs that we sing, like the ones we sang today, I'm worshiping as our praise team is working hard to lead us in worship. That helps me remember the faithfulness of God, right? So that's why we sing. Uh, gentlemen, you have a voice, use it and sing, even if you stink at it, right? Even if you're sitting there at home right now and going, this is weird, I'm in the home, I don't want to sing in front of my wife or in front of my kids or I'm alone, that's really weird. No, you dance in the shower, right? I get it, so you can sing before Jesus too. Come on now. That's a part of remembering who God is. When you remember who he is that he can and that he will, it will help you as you walk through moments where it doesn't seem possible, but yet with God all things are possible. And so number three, the last one, prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. If you want a strong, vibrant faith, if you want a living relationship with God, then you must. It is essential. That you stop talking to everybody else about it and you start talking to God about it. You stop listening to all the noise and everybody else's opinion and you start listening to God and what he has to say about it. And by the way, his is not an opinion. His is not based on the latest news or the latest discovery or the latest technological advance. No, he's been in this a lot longer than we have. He knows. And the only way that you personally are going to find out what God knows regarding your situation and your circumstance, the only way you're going to get an answer from God is to talk to him. And how do you talk to him? In your personal, private relationship with him through prayer. And you can talk to him about anything. Everything. 
all of it. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to call you names. He's going to allow you to talk to him about whatever it is that you're walking through and what you think. And then when you're done, he's going to speak if you will listen. All the time. <laughs> now the hardest part in our spiritual discipline is to listen. Right? That's the hardest part, to actually slow down and listen. But I'm going to back up and say that's why you write it down. That's why journaling is a discipline. Because if you're willing to listen and he speaks, you can write it down. Listening is a part of praying just as much as talking is a part of praying. Listening to what he has to say. And this is fascinating because in this passage, what you see is that there was someone who was willing to listen to the Son of God. Now I'm going to let it sink in for just a minute who it was that was willing to listen to the Son of God. And it might surprise you who it was that was willing to listen to the Son of God. Was it the crowd? It wasn't the crowd. Was it the Father? Well, the Father of the Son was like, yeah, I, I believe, but I need help with my unbelief. So he, he doesn't even know what to think. And how could you when your son is going through this, right? You don't need some religious answer. You need something real. But he doesn't know what to think. He's going through his own chaos. He's been dealing with it his whole life. Can you imagine that agony and pain that he's going through? So he's lost in it. The disciples are like, man, we failed. <laughs> we failed. Man, we, we couldn't make this happen. We couldn't cast it out. We tried. We couldn't do this. And they're all trying to figure it out. But there was somebody who was willing to listen. Because when Jesus spoke to the demon and he said, you get out of that boy and don't you ever mess with him again. That demon said, yes, sir. You got it. <laughs> I know who you are. And I know that when you speak, that's it. That's, I know what's going to happen here. And you know, we can doll this all up in our current modern medical technological world and go, oh yeah, the boy was dealing with epilepsy. Come on now. Uh, well, the problems were of his own design. Maybe it was a genetic deficiency. Hey, you let epilepsy take over your life or your genetic deficiency take over your world or you let cancer come into your world and I'm going to tell you who you want to speak. I'm going to tell you who you're willing to listen to in that moment. The only one that can say, hey, get out, be cleansed, be changed, turn it over, turn it around, be fixed, be well, because when I speak, those who listen can be changed. And that's what Jesus did in that moment. But how did it happen? This kind of problem, this kind of issue, this kind of demon, this kind of brokenness. You can't fix it with your body. You can't fix it with your mind. You can't fix it with your medicine. You can't fix it with your isolation. You can't fix it with a hospital. This kind of problem, it only gets dealt with in prayer. 
Jesus even says in Matthew chapter 17, he even says, and I'll add a second layer to your spiritual discipline. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, right? Prayer and fasting. So if you really want to take your prayer life to a whole new level, go without food for a little while. <laughs> go without something that really is a supplement to your physical life and lay that down before the Lord so that you can intently focus on hearing his voice in prayer and watch where miracles will happen. That's what he's talking about. Prayer is essential. And prayer is essential because it shows you this. Prayer is essential in my life, in your life, in our life, because it shows you miracles still occur. Miracles still occur. Miracles still happen. Prayer shows you that God can still do miracles. But you have not because you ask not. You see not because you're not willing to talk. Jesus, he uses this moment to teach even his followers that the practice of certain disciplines, hearing the word of God, remembering the word of God, speaking the word of God with God in prayer, talking to God, these things are essential. Why? Because they strengthen you. They change you. They change how we see things. What can happen? They change how we approach things. And they help us to see what God can do. We live in a generation and in a world where deeply, personally, in so many ways, we need God. Right? We need God to do it. We need God to change our hearts, our lives, our souls, our perspectives, the way that we treat one another and respond to our world. And these kind of demons, they run rampant in our society. They run rampant throughout our lives. They do. They plague us. They haunt us. They tear at us. But they can come out by prayer. Church, did you hear that? This kind can come out by prayer. This kind of problem can be solved by prayer. This miracle can happen by prayer. So personal prayer it is essential for your miracle to happen. So what's your next miracle? What's the next practice in your life of discipline that you need? What do you need? What do you need? My friends, people that I love, people that I cherish, my family, what is the miracle that you need? Then grab hold of God in prayer because it can happen through prayer. And God, I have moments of unbelief. I can't see it. I don't understand it. I can't make it work. Help my unbelief. It's okay. Do that. And through the practice in your life of spiritual disciplines, this is the point in your relationship with God. Are you ready for this? This is the point where your, your relationship with God, when you practice these things, where things begin to change for you. Things, they begin to change for you. Because I'm hearing, I'm 
remembering and I'm praying. And that is the workout, the discipline for my soul. Will you pray with me? God, I know that for all of my friends right now in this room and online, for both my deeply believing disciplined friends and those who are unbelieving and struggling in areas of spiritual discipline I thank you for them I pray they sense your holy presence of peace on them right now I pray that even right now there is a spiritual moment occurring in their soul, in their heart that something as they hear this even right now tells them you're there you're a miracle worker You can change things. And right now, more than anything, God, I'm asking that you will draw all of us more personally, genuinely, deeply into you, into relationship with you. Jesus, you are the miracle worker. You are the soul saver. You are the one that changes our lives. So speak. Help us to listen to remember and to do in our prayer life and in our trust of who you are. And I thank you for each and every person today within the sound of your voice. In the greatest name of all, the Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, we all pray together. Amen. So let it be. Amen. It's good, isn't it? It's essential. Spiritual discipline. It's essential. And so thank you for being a part of this family of faith. Thank you for connecting in the gathering because you are essential. In community because you are essential. Things are different. Times have changed. We will not stop as the body of Christ. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church, the gathering, the people, the believers. The gates of hell won't. So thank you. For continuing to do that and as you practice your own spiritual discipline watch what God's going to do in your heart and in your life and in your circumstances that's who he is thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving thank you for continuing for those of you that are in the room today as you exit there is a way for you to do that without touching anyone right without a plate thank you for being a part of that and thank you to our online family as you also have committed to this now we have some exciting things coming up next week i'm starting a new series called overcome you'll want to tune into that because i'm going to share with you some very personal lessons that i have learned that are very genuine and very real that are very deep and that are very meaningful that I have learned through the last six to seven months of my life. So I begin that because in the reality of everything that I have walked through with you as people, with the church as people, with people outside of the church as people, I've learned some things and I look forward to sharing those with you over the next several, several weeks. So next week we start that and I'm excited about it and thank you for your faithfulness. If you are here today or online, And you'd like to start a very personal new relationship with Jesus. Let us know that. You can send us a note, right? You can hang afterwards if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. We want to help you with that. And there's some people around that we can talk to you and we can connect to you in the right appropriate way, the right distance. But listen, people may be distant. God never is, right? 
and he wants to draw close to all of you so if you need help in that that's why we're here but until we meet again may God bless each and every one of you may his face shine upon you may he show all of you grace and may he give you his peace God bless you and good day